Hey everyone, welcome back to my podcast. This is A Millennial Learns. I am your host, Abby Rancor. Thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate you listening all the time. So thank you to everyone who listens. Um, today is our Bible episode. This is going up a little bit late. It's still going to be on the same day, but usually I try to get them up right in the morning. And that is just not going to happen because we are, I've mentioned it a million times, I feel like a broken record, but we're in the middle of a move and that should be all done by this weekend. We are just prepping the final stuff today. We're moving tomorrow and Saturday, and then we are going to be all settled in, I think, by this weekend. So that will be amazing. I'm excited to not be moving. Our whole life is in boxes. It's just furniture in boxes right now. So um, we're getting ready for that. We're very excited. And um, God's favor, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but basically we were not expecting to move this soon we were actually expecting to move maybe like end of august we were thinking end of july end of august something like that so that we didn't have to live with um my brother and sister-in-law as long but one day i just had this like urge just like holy spirit quickening from the lord i'm like 100 percent sure it's from the lord and he basically was urging us to sell He just said like do this now when we're in hawaii like he was basically saying you know do it now because then we would be in hawaii for showings the cat would not be here during showings it would make everything easier and we just got this idea like okay we're gonna sign you know we'll be we'll put on the market as we go to hawaii we'll fly there on that day um you know the first day of showings and then hopefully we'll be signing an offer as we're like eating pizza for dinner in hawaii and I think I'm not sure what like social media platform I updated this updated um gave an update on this but basically it was that was exactly what happened we flew to Hawaii while we were flying to Hawaii the first day of showings happened and the person who made an offer on our condo they had we had one showing like at 12 30 they put in an offer right away I think we had one other um showing total but those people put an offer in on the condo for an over ask um over asking price quick close no inspection like issues so we have been closed for a few weeks and now we're just moving out so it was such god's favor but even more so than just the fact that we sold is the fact that the condos around us did not really sell like people who put their condos on the market a week or two later they have not sold or they've been pending and come back on the market or it's taken like 50 days for them to sell and now they're finally under contract and so it was such god's favor and really just drives home the point of doing what god is leading you to do immediately not hesitating because i don't really it's been a while since i've had such a strong quickening by the holy spirit to do something and that was like I had to do it and as soon as I told my husband he was like yes let's do it we were all on board did it it was done within like a week and so just an encouragement to do what the Lord is telling you to do if there's something that you're trying to put off but he's telling you to do it now because I was trying to put it off I did not want to sell I didn't want to have to get ready for the showings and like get our house ready and stuff like it would have been nice to have a few more weeks but I got such a strong urging from him that you know, we just did it and it worked out so much better. So all that being said, um, let's get into our Bible, um, study basically for this week. We are starting in first Samuel 19, um, which I'm not sure if we covered last week. I'd have to go back and look for on 19 or 20, but I want to recap 19 anyway, because it leads into 20 very well. So first Samuel 19 is where Saul who uh Saul is telling Jonathan to kill David and um basically Jonathan talked to Saul and said I'm not going to kill him Jonathan is you know Saul's son and Jonathan loves David so obviously Jonathan does not want his dad to kill like his best friend so Jonathan talked to Saul and um and he basically said I'm not going to kill him they had a whole battle um Saul tried to get David killed again then McCall who is 
Um, his wife told, or Saul's wife told Saul to flee and disguised, wait. Okay, let's get into our Bible study section of this. So we are starting at 1 Samuel 19, and in this section, this whole section that we're about to go over gets very dramatic. I, it's, it's funny how I didn't really remember how riveting this part of the Bible was, probably because I've just read one-offs. Like, I've read stories about David and like for example we'll get there but the Bathsheba story where David sleeps with another man's wife I always read that singularly without the whole context of like who David was so it just seemed like okay well I like I knew David was a pretty good guy but he made a mistake and I was I've always thought like oh you know it's it's just not that big of a deal I guess, or, or maybe I thought that it was like a big deal, but I didn't really care who David was. I guess that's more accurate. But now I've read so many chapters about David that once he did that, I was like, oh my gosh, why are you doing that? You're like, he's such a good leader. He's such a good man and all of this stuff that it seemed much more crushing when he did this sin. Um, that was so, it was so obviously a sin, you know? Um, but anyway, so we're backing up to first Samuel 19 basically Saul tells his son Jonathan to try to kill David but Jonathan loves David Jonathan is like best friends with David he's made an oath to him he has sworn to protect him and stay with by his side basically he he devoted himself almost to David and so Jonathan ends up tipping off David and and telling Saul that he will not kill him so Saul then again tries to kill David because that evil spirit overtakes him and he tries to again kill kill Saul. Well, David knows he's not safe. McCall, his wife, knows that he's not safe. So he told she told David to flee and told him to to leave and basically disguised an idol as him so that when people came in and tried to kill him, they would get thrown off and think that the idol was him, try to kill him, and they would essentially waste a lot of time. So David then went to Samuel and told him everything about Saul. When he was doing that, it was kind of in this faraway place, and Saul ended up sending men after, like he didn't go himself, he just sent men to go scout out where David was and to find out what was happening. Well, when they were talking, you know, with Samuel, they all started prophesying. And so the men didn't come back with a report or anything, they just started prophesying. So he sent more men and then everyone was prophesying still like whoever he sent ended up prophesying and staying at this one area and it was like almost it seemed like they almost came over under a spell like where they were prophesying and so they forgot they like didn't go back to go tell Saul so eventually Saul went himself and he himself even though he was kind of he was acting very evil um he also started prophesying in the same spot so David in 1 Samuel 20 fled from there and he asked Jonathan basically he was like what is happening why is your dad trying to kill me Jonathan still wanted to believe the best about his dad and so he said he's not trying to to kill you he he doesn't want to kill you anymore he he wouldn't hide it from me David said I know he would hide it basically and so he goes here's what we're going to do to put this to the test David said, I'm going to go hide away during the new moon festival. There was a festival that was happening. And so it would be a time of celebration. And David's going to go hide away and say that he had to go back to his home and celebrate in his home. And he he's telling this plan to, to Jonathan. And he says, now, if, you're, if your dad, um, when he asks where I am, and you say that I went back to celebrate with my family. If Saul gets very upset and angry, you will know that that is because he was trying to kill me. If he's fine with it, he's obviously not trying to kill me and I'll come back. But if he's upset, that means he was trying to kill me. So they make an oath that Jonathan will alert David. There's this whole system that they have in place with um, arrows. Like if he shoots an arrow a certain way and tells a boy to go after it, then that'll mean that the dad that Saul was in fact trying to kill him. So this whole plan goes down uh, at the festival. Saul asks Jonathan where David is. He tells him he went back to his family and Saul got extremely, extremely angry. And so Jonathan immediately knew that 
David was in danger. He signaled that danger to David. They wept together and then David left. So this would be really hard for Jonathan. I feel bad for Jonathan because he loves David. It's said for chapters and chapters and chapters how much he loves um, David. And now his dad is trying to kill David. So, but he did the right thing. He signaled to David and protected him just as they promised each other. So David then fled. And when he fled, he went to a town called Nob to Ahimelech, who was the priest. And he's the priest in this region. And the priest asks, why are you alone? Basically, David lies and he says, oh, I'm on a mission. The king sent me on a mission. It's very secret. I had to leave in haste. And that's why I don't have any weapons or like, I'm really hungry. Do you have any bread to eat? Um, they only had consecrated bread to eat. And so turns out he, you know, with all the requirements, he was basically eligible to eat this consecrated bread. And so um, he ate the bread and got this uh, sword. The sword was from the Philist was the Philistine sword uh, because when he, you know, he killed Goliath, they had saved his sword. Well, the priest said, why don't you have any weapons? He goes, well, I need some weapons. So he, the priest gave David back um, the sword of the Philistine that he killed back in that time. Okay, well, while all this is happening, Saul's chief shepherd was there and he was detained. And David, like, knew that at some point that shepherd would go back and tell Saul um, what happened. So... He fled from there. He went to a city called Gath. They, the people there all recognize him because if you remember in the last Bible episode, we were talking about how they all sang this song and, um, and it basically said, well, Saul killed thousands, but David killed 10,000. So he was famous in this, <clears throat> excuse me, in this whole region. And, um, but he, so he was afraid because they all recognized him so much. He knew that he was maybe going to be attacked. And so he actually pretended to be insane. He pretended like he did not know what was going on and he was insane, foaming at the mouth, all that kind of stuff. Okay. In first Samuel 22, David left Gath into a cave at Agilum. Uh, I'm, I really need to work on pronunciation before I start recording because once I'm in it there, it's too late. So Sorry about my bad pronunciations, but, um, okay. So the people heard and 400 people gathered around David in Gath. He traveled with those people down to Mitzpah in Moab and the king let Dave, the king there in Moab, let David's parents stay with him for a little bit, but a prophet told David then he needed to go back to Judah. So he, he followed that out. Um, Saul then heard, word got back to Saul that David had been found. Um, and that chief official that had been detained back in the city of Nob reported to Saul and said, okay, he has provisions and he has a sword. He has the Philistine sword. So he is, is pretty powerful. Um, Saul then confronted the king of Nob and said, why have you conspired against me? Why have you done all this? Well, the king of Nob didn't know anything about this, you know, because like David had lied to the king and lied to all the men saying that he was on this special mission from the king. So he didn't know he was in rebellion to the king, but nonetheless, Saul, the charmer he is, had um, them and the priests all killed. So, um... There was one son of the priest there that had that escaped. So Ahimelech, who was the priest, all of his sons, all of his family were killed except for one son um, escaped. So David basically said, I'm sorry because I am responsible for the death of your family because I knew he would tell Saul. So he apologizes there, but um, yeah, he's still... He did cause the death of, of the family, so that kind of sucks. Uh, okay, First Samuel 23, David was told the Philistines are fighting and looting against Keila. Oh, gosh. Um, against the city, I'll say. Uh, so the Lord told him to go save that city, but his men were super afraid. 
The thing about David that we'll see over and over in this section is that he always inquires of the Lord before going into a battle, which is very reflective of what we should be doing now with, I mean, we don't usually go into battles, but like going into something, making a move on something. Um, he always inquired of the Lord and got confirmation that that is what he should do. I was just listening to a YouTube uh, channel where this woman was talking about how there's kind of a debate in the Christian community about like if people step out and make a move and then wait for confirmation after they've made the move if God if God wants them to do that or people who wait until God tells them to do something because they were talking about how they wanted to possibly adopt so they just started the comfort the the adoption process um she said it wasn't something that god said that we would do necessarily but we just figured why not and god will close and open doors as we go along she, and then she was, was mentioning this debate where she said some people wouldn't even wouldn't start the adoption process until god said like you are going to adopt this is what i have for you they basically just started exploring the option on their own and then trying to see after if god is on board um from reading this like it makes sense to me in my mind to step out into something and then as you're doing it uh wait for confirmation i guess confirmation or closed doors but when i read the old testament it doesn't seem like that was the mo of david because before like people would say oh um like come save us in this city and he could easily have just gone but every single time before he even started anything he inquired of god and then god told him yes or no and so i think i'm on that side where it needs to be pretty clear if i'm going to step out into something if that God is telling me, yes, this is what you should do. Um, and he might still stop that. Like he might say, yes, go find out the adoption process, you know, and then close doors. But I don't think I want to go out and do something on my own and then try to find the answer later. I would go in knowing that he's told me to, to go there. Um, but so, okay, so I'll ask God about if he should go. Um, and the Lord said, said, yes, go save him. His men are afraid. Um, they inflicted heavy losses and saved the city. So Saul was reported back to about this. Now, this is a, an interesting thing too. Saul was told that David had gone and saved this city. And he himself, without inquiring of the Lord, that's very important, he did not inquire of the Lord for this. He just goes, God has delivered David into my hands. And he goes, David is in a city with gates and bars. He's in a fortified city. How could we not win? He, God has delivered David into my hands. But he didn't ask God if he was delivered into his hands. He just assumed because his natural mind said, like, how could he not be with this, these gates and bars around him? They're closed in. So very interesting thing. You can't just assume that God is saying yes if he hasn't actually said yes um okay david learns that saul is conspiring against him he hears from god that saul is going to come and that this city that he just saved will also turn against him so david left because of all this and he stayed in the wilderness saul kept searching for him Jonathan comes and finds David and said, do not fear, you will be king and I'll be second in command. And I was like, that's bold to, to say that you're going to be second, but good. Um, the Ziphites, who they were, you know, a group of people in, in a town, basically, they offered to give David over to Saul because they knew David was in their midst. And so they just gave him up so easy. They, Saul walked in and said, we'll give you him, we'll give him up to you. Um, so Saul said to go and get info on where he is to pursue David. And then as Saul was closing in, a messenger told Saul that the Philistines were raiding somewhere else. So they got distracted for a little bit. In 1 Samuel 24, they battled after the Philistines battle. Uh, Saul and his men started pursuing David again. So there was a little distraction there, but it was a good timing, like right as they, um, 
as they were closing in. So Saul went into a cave where David and his men were. Now they were way back in a cave, like way back so you couldn't see him. But Saul just came in to basically go to the bathroom. And so while he was doing that, David was like, oh my gosh, the Lord has delivered Saul into my hands, but I should not touch the Lord's anointed. So instead of killing him, killing Saul, David killing Saul, he just went and snuck up and cut the corner off of his robe. Um, and even that he felt bad about. Like he had the opportunity to kill Saul. Um, but he didn't. He just cut off the corner of his robe. He was super merciful. But even that like wrecked his conscience and he said, Oh, how could I have even touched the anointed of the Lord? So he spared Saul and he was very, very noble. Then Saul left the cave. David ran after him, confronted him, and he said, I am not bent on harming you. Why are you trying to kill me? Saul wept. He said, you will be the king. And he like vowed to not wipe him out. Or so, sorry, David took an oath to try to not wipe out Saul's descendants, which we will see him be faithful to later. Um, but yeah, David was a great man who is very, very noble, especially to um, Saul and anyone who the Lord has appointed as king, which Saul currently is. So 1 Samuel 25, Samuel died um, and Israel mourned for him for a very long time. Nabal, Nabal, Nabal is a man in Carmel. His wife's name is Abigail. Okay, so this is a little side story about who I was named after. So very excited to read about her. And I have read about this story before, but it was a long time ago. So I was, it was great to have a refresher, but Nabal was surly and mean. It said in his dealings, he was like stingy and just not a very good man. So David sent men to go get wool from this sheep shearing, um, from Nabal. And David's men had treated Nabal's shepherds well. They had like shepherded or camped next to each other for a very long time. And David's shepherds always treated Nabal's uh, shepherds extremely well, didn't steal from them. You know, all was good relations. And so David's men were very hungry. They needed supplies and stuff like that. So he sent his men to go get supplies from Nabal. 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 Um... So David said to get swords and, or no, sorry, this is after. So basically they came with a request and they said, David wants these supplies for his men. And Nabal said, who is David? Why should I give the men anything? And so he is just so stingy that even though David has treated him well, he will not give anything to these men. So after hearing that, David said to go get swords. A servant told Abigail what was happening, like, the fact that her husband had treated David so poorly. And so she basically snuck out of the house with lots of supplies without telling her husband and ran after the people. And they met, she met David and the, the their crew on the way. She had all of her supplies and she basically like bent down at his feet, offered him all these gifts and I'm so sorry for what my husband's poor judgment. And, David blessed her for all of the good judgment. So she basically saved the day. She saved the entire city. They were going to fight and destroy the whole city. So Nabal then was having a feast and he was drunk. And Abigail, so Abigail didn't tell him at that point. She told him in the morning. And at the point that he, she told him, he turned to stone, which basically I think he went into a coma because he was like still alive he just was unresponsive it sounded like and then about 10 days later he died so i think he went into a coma and then david after nabal died sent servants to ask abigail to be uh his wife and she accepted so then david married abigail so thank goodness she has a better husband (laughs) now in david Okay, in 1 Samuel 26, the Ziphites tell Saul where David is hiding. David saw Saul from the wilderness. But it was interesting because they were, the army was like pretty, well, it seemed like it was lazy, but then there's an explanation. So Saul was lying in the camp. He was sleeping in the camp and all of his army was camped around him. More as like a protective move, it seemed like. 
and David and um, one of his men walked into the camp at night. The, the man that came with David wants to kill Saul with a spear, but David says, no, the Lord will strike him or he'll die in battle. He's not going to just, you know, he's not going to take a cheap shot, basically. But he said, I'm going to basically warn him that I came. He, so he took Saul's spear and his water jug to essentially signal that he was that close to Saul that he could have killed him and he had mercy on him again. So that was a boss move. He goes back, calls out to a man in Saul's army, and they said, why didn't you defend your master? But basically it explains that God had put them all in a deep sleep. And so it just shows how vulnerable they are if, when God is on David's side and that the, the love and the favor of God has left Saul. Saul says he has sinned and to come back and that he will not try to harm David. David, in 1 Samuel 27, thought that Saul would try again, so he wanted to escape to the land of the Philistines. And eventually, once he was in the land of the Philistines, Saul no longer searched uh, for David. He basically thought that, like, he was not a threat anymore. So David, as part of the Philistines, went and killed a bunch of people. He was extremely successful in battle. Um, other kings thought that he would be, or the, um, the king of the Philistines thought that David would be his servant for life because David was so obnoxious to the Israelites. He was attacking everyone around them and he was conquering all these people. He was very, very good in battle. And so they basically, he basically was just like, well, David will never go back to the Israelites because he's so obnoxious to the Israelites now that I have him for life. In 1 Samuel 28, the Philistines gathered forces against Israel. Um, so Saul saw um, an army. The Saul saw the Philistine army and he was scared. He tried to inquire the Lord, but the Lord did not answer him. This is because he's so sinful. He's so away from God. The Lord did not answer him. So he actually, it was, he inquired of a medium, but it was actually Saul who had made mediums illegal in the entire kingdom. So he like had to sneak this lady that he knew was a medium. And she said like, you know, it's illegal to do that here. Um, not knowing that it was Saul. And so he tries to kind of channel Samuel, um, and Samuel comes to him and the woman recognizes Saul. It's a big mess. Like he, you're not supposed to be channeling anyone, but Samuel said that Israel will be given to the Philistines. Saul and his sons will die. And so obviously Saul was pretty distraught over that. She, he ate at the woman's house, but it was like a battle to get him to eat. He didn't want to eat anything. He was weak. His men finally like kind of forced him to eat and then they left the house. In 1 Samuel 29, um, the king of the Philistines, uh, his men did not want David to go into battle with them, even though the king trusted David. The men did not. They think that, or they thought that um, David would just turn his back on them in battle. Um, so anyway, they did not want him in battle. He had to turn back and go back to the Philistine land. In 1 Samuel 30, David's men made it to Ziklag. They had already attacked before, but hadn't like burned or killed or uh, killed people or anything. But when they had come back to Ziklag, they reached it. It was burned. There were captives. Um, everyone wept aloud because David's two wives had been captured by the Amalekites. So the Amalekites then took had taken over the city and burned it and kept all these um, prisoners, which two of which were David's two wives. So David again inquires of the Lord, which he does all the time. He said, should I pursue this raiding party? The Lord said, yes. He found a servant in a field um, and he basically was talking to him and asked that servant to lead them to the raiding party, which he agreed to do. David attacked one and got everything back, all the plunder. 200 men had been too tired to join. Oh yeah, this was a thing where um, 200 of David's men had been too tired to join, so they hadn't crossed this river to go continue the battle. They were just too exhausted. But so the 400 who had gone into battle, they got all this plunder back, and then they were going to go regroup and meet up with the other 200 that hadn't been into battle. Well, the 400 got a little bit full of themselves and did not want to share the plunder with the 200 because they didn't actually fight. 
But David put his foot down on that one, made it a decree forever that they would all share of the plunder. And so um, I think that's a good lesson about sharing with your, you know, group. Like, you don't have to be stingy. There's a lot about not being stingy here. Don't be stingy with the plunder and don't be stingy with... um, you know, your family, your gifts, you know, Nabal died because he was stingy. And now David made a decree that they have to share with the men who did not go into the battle. Okay, so then we're in First Samuel 31. The Philistines and the Israelites are fighting. And this is where they killed Saul's sons and wounded Saul. So just like Samuel, when he got channeled, said... Um, all of uh, Saul's sons died and Saul is wounded. Now, this is the other thing that I thought was interesting about this. It talks about mediums and I guess I, I didn't know. I always thought that when people tried to channel dead people, they're channeling demons because, you know, you couldn't channel dead people is my assumption. And so it couldn't have been, um, couldn't have been the actual person and it couldn't have been, uh, you know, anything good essentially, but we don't see that here. Samuel did make an appearance and told him what was going to happen and seemed that he was wise and prophesying from God. So I think channeling like when you're not supposed to channel people, I just thought that it was because you're channeling demons. It sounds like, at least from this, that he actually channeled Samuel. It's just bad to do. You're not supposed to do it, but it might not actually be channeling a demon. So that was my confusion there, but I think that's a little bit more cleared up. Um, But anyway, back to Samuel 31. Uh, Once Saul was wounded, he basically killed himself. It said him and his armormen both fell on the sword, which means he killed himself. So the Israelites saw that Saul had died. They abandoned their towns and all fled. The Philistines came and occupied all of their cities. Now, if you hear construction, there is a lot of pounding on my roof right now. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of construction on the decks around us. But anyway, I'm going to keep going because I don't know how bad it is and hopefully it'll stop soon but okay philistines came and occupied the cities they took saul's body beheaded it they like pinned the bodies up to like in a temple to their idol um and they sent messengers out to proclaim the news that saul had had died so the israelites heard this they went and rescued basically the body of saul um they took it down off the temple wall treated it with respect burned the bones buried i mean sorry burned the bodies um buried the bones and fasted for seven days that is going to pay off later because it was good that he that they actually treated saul with respect okay that brings us to second samuel um so we are done with the first samuel whole book now again first second samuel are technically the same book they were like written at the same time they were the same script they were only separated because of the length of scrolls um so that's why they're separated so it's really one long continuous story just wanted to reiterate that but we are now in second samuel if the audio sounds any different i am now it is like three days later from when i recorded that other (laughs) the other um book of samuel i'm now in my brother and sister-in-law's new house it is amazing we are settled but this is going up way way later than i thought it was supposed to go up thursday but now it's going up monday so anyway um if anything sounds different that is why i'm in a completely different thing the day got away from me packing was crazy moving is crazy as everyone probably knows it always seems like a move is going to go very quickly and then it ends up taking a little bit longer so but let's jump right back into Samuel, 2 Samuel 1. Um, so 2 Samuel 1, David returns from the Malachite battle, and they stayed in Ziklag for a few days. And he saw a man that looked like he was mourning. I think he had said he had um, like dust sprinkled on his forehead, which is usually the sign of mourning. And David asked where he was. This man told David that Saul was dead. Um, and David hadn't heard that news yet. So this is the first time he's hearing that Saul had died. 
And he said, well, how do you know? David said, how do you know that Saul is actually dead? And this man who's an Amalekite said that he had actually killed Saul after he fell on his spear. So it said that basically Saul tried to kill himself by falling on his spear with his, you know, armor men. And, um, Saul, like after he had fallen on his spear, was still alive. Um, He hadn't fully died. And so he basically begged the Amalekite to kill him and finish him off because he was uh, suffering and not dead. So David and his men are mourning. And David actually commanded the Amalekite man to be killed because he had killed Saul. And he said, basically, like, how dare someone touch the anointed of the king, which is it, or of God. Which is very interesting because, you know, it it talks about how um, God, like, regretted making Saul king later. He says that, um, how Saul did a bunch of bad stuff. He tried to kill David, all of this, and still David punished anyone to the utmost degree if they touched Saul or his family. So David was just a very stand-up guy. Um, at least in this part of the story, they were a stand-up guy. Um, okay, Second Samuel 2. This is um, was an interesting one, and I'll, I'll tell you why in a second. So basically, David asked the Lord if he should go to a town, the town of Judah. or There's a town in Judah called Hebron, and David asked the Lord if he should go, and he said yes. This is a good thing about David. Again, I'm going to reiterate, is David always asks um, the Lord before he does anything, and I really like that. So David anointed was anointed the king over the tribe of Judah, and he sent a messenger blessing the men of Jabesh Gilead who had buried Saul. So these men from Jabesh Gilead had taken his body down and, you know, treated Saul's body with respect after he had been killed. And so he, uh, David blesses the people who blessed Saul. Okay, then it talks about the fighting between the houses of David and Saul. So David's dead. I mean, Saul is dead and David is king over Judah. But there is fighting now between the house of Judah, who followed David, and the other section of Israel who followed Saul. And basically, this was a lot of names and a lot of, like, relationships with people and a lot of names of places. So I got lost, honestly, the first time I read this and I had to reread it a couple times and I just looked up a summary so I could explain it accurately. So I'll link the um, website of the description that I got this from, but I'm basically going to essentially read and maybe add a little commentary to this because I just want it to be clear and it was kind of confusing when I first read it. So basically, this says, the house of Judah followed David as he was king in Hebron for seven and a half years. Abner, who was Saul's um, commander, like commander of his army, if you remember, Abner and his men met with Joab, who Joab is David's nephew, and David's servants, and they basically wanted to see who the strongest men were, so they had 12 people line up, 12 for David, 12 on Saul's side, and they made them fight, and it was kind of pointless and a little bit dumb in my opinion because they all had knives and they all just stabbed each other in the side and all 24 of them died so it was kind of pointless but once this was done Joab who again is David's nephew um, and his men started chasing Abner and and Abner's men now Joab's brother was very fast his name was Asahel Asahel um anyway I'm just going to refer to him as Joab's brother He was fast, and he chased Abner for a long time. Abner was very trained in killing. He was very good at, obviously, he's the army commander. He knows how to kill people. So he was warning, as he was being chased, he was warning um, Joab's brother to not keep chasing him. Eventually, Abner just got fed up. He turned around, killed him. And then, finally, that is when Joab's men stopped chasing um, Joab to care for Joab's brother. Um, and let's see. And then David's men won the battle, but lost Joab's brother, who was a very important figure, important army man, it sounded like. So there was a very, very bitter rivalry between Joab and Abner. Joab knew that one day he wanted to avenge his brother's death, which basically I think 
happens a little bit later in this section. I can't remember if it's in this section that I read or the next section, so you'll hear about it soon. <laughs> um, okay, 2 Samuel 3. So the war between houses lasted a very long time. David eventually started becoming stronger and Saul's house became weak. And so Saul's house was kind of fading anyway, but during this war, Abner had been strengthening his own position within the house of Saul. So he had started kind of like moving his way up the ranks. People respected him and all of that. Well, Abner then slept with Saul's concubine and Saul's son came and confronted Abner with this and basically said that he shouldn't do that. Well, that really rubbed Saul. I mean, that really rubbed Abner the wrong way because it basically sounded like he thought, I've done so much for Saul's family. I've done so much for this, you know, house of Saul, all of this. And how dare you like say that I shouldn't do this or confront me in this way. And so he totally turned on his own house. And then he he decided that he wanted to establish David as a king. Because I think he thought that the house of Saul was pretty much ungrateful for what he did. So he sent messengers to David to say, make an agreement with me. I'll help you and bring all of Israel over to you. David um, said that he will make the agreement, but he must bring Michal, who is the daughter of Saul. And David sent messengers and said, give me my wife back, which because this is the wife that got given away. David, if you remember, was married at one point. They basically like thought, I guess, that it wasn't going to work. And, um, you know, a big fight explosion happened, basically. And the um, father gave the first uh, wife away. And so basically David said, give me my wife back. Abner then advocated for David to become king, which was a, quite the turn of events. Um, David's men and Joab returned from a raid, and they ran into Abner, who had left in peace. Oh, this is, yeah, as I'm rereading my notes, I'm remembering what happens, and this kind of sucked. Basically, David and Abner then made peace. They were all good, and then Abner left. Well, Joab, who is David's nephew, went to David and asked, you know, why did you let him go? He came to deceive you. He started, like, basically making David second-guess Abner's intentions. So, but David said, no, no, he's good, he's fine. Joab took it into his own hands, and he sent messengers and brought Abner back without David knowing. And Joab stabbed him in the stomach to avenge the blood of his brother. Oh, so, okay, <laughs> That's funny. I, I was like, I don't know if, it, if it's in this section or the next section that, you know, that Joab avenges this death, but it turned out to be the exact next chapter. So, um, so yeah, Joab stabbed Abner in the stomach to pay back, like as payback for uh, Abner just killing Joab's brother in the, the chapter before. So when David was told this, they said, Basically, there's a curse now on Joab's family. They said there's like a generational curse because of how bad that was. That was a, a bad sin, and David mourned for a long time. Okay, 2 Samuel 4. Um, the son of Saul named Ishbosheth. Wow. The son of Saul named Ishbosheth. It's always a tongue twister, but he heard that Abner died and he lost all of his courage. Um, this chapter, honestly, was so many names and this was very hard to read. But basically what I got out of this one is Ishbosheth was murdered. Um, they cut off his head and brought it to David. And the people who did this thought it was good because his family had tried to kill David. And so David then said, he, David ordered the men that killed Ishbosheth to be put to death. So... I'm not sure if that made any sense. Essentially, Ishbosheth is Saul's son. Um, David's men thought that they were doing a good thing and saying, well, Saul's family tried to kill you, and so we'll kill Saul's family. When they killed Ishbosheth, they thought it was a great thing, so they brought proudly his head to David, thinking they would get all these rewards. But essentially, David was like, you are not supposed to touch his family. We are going to protect Saul's family. And so those people that killed Saul's son got put to death. 
So even David, even like bitter former enemies, he treated with respect, which is very admirable. Second Samuel five, David was king over all of Israel. Now he reigned 40 years total. So seven and a half were over the like smaller area. Um, and then the rest of the years were over all of Israel. David and his men went to go attack the Zebusites and capture the city of Zion. So this is like the big city called um, the city of David. This is like his, basically where he's establishing his like rule and he'll, his palace will be there. Um, he became more and more powerful, it says, because God was with him. He took more wives and concubines, which again, I think I have to do a whole podcast episode about polygamy because it comes up a lot of times where these like great men of God are polygamous. And it is interesting when Christians now are like, well, it's obviously just one man and one woman for life. But when I, when you read the Old Testament, um, it doesn't seem that way. And I know it's probably like people say that it's a cultural thing and it was like actually protection for women to be married. So it was fine to have multiple, but, um, it just seems like I want to dive into more like solid evidence that polygamy is not the thing to do. I mean, I'm fairly confident it's not, but I want like evidence to back that up because after reading the Old Testament, I'm not exactly sure why now no one really um, can justify polygamy. But anyway, um, okay, the Philistines, after that, the Philistines went to go look for David. Um, and basically, he then asked God again about how to attack the Philistines. Um, and God gave very specific instructions. This kind of goes with like my house Um example in the beginning where it seemed like very specific instructions to like put on the market now and God gave me like the idea to have it on the market have our house on the market when we were in Hawaii and all these logistics and like very detailed like logistics thing I felt like he was kind of telling me and you see the same thing in scripture like he gave David very specific things about the the configuration to attack and how to like set up an ambush essentially so God is not going to leave you high and dry. He will give you very specific things if you are listening and asking. Um, okay, 2 Samuel 6, David and his men went to go get the ark from Judah because they wanted to bring it to the city of David. Someone touched the ark because it was tr like a donkey tripped and so someone touched the ark, but God showed his wrath because that was an irreverent act. But because of that, God, David was very afraid of God, it said. And he did not want the ark in the city of David. So he t found a temporary place for it for three months in a house with someone in town. And the people in that house were very blessed for taking in the ark. So David saw the blessing of this house and went to bring the ark to the city of David with great rejoicing. This is like the famous story of King David that I've always heard is that David was dancing in the street, making, kind of making a fool out of himself. Like he was in just like a knapsack, pretty much just dancing in the streets. He was completely unashamed. And then McCall, who is the, was the son of Saul, saw this and hated David. They said like a, an anger burned within her and she hated David. And she was upset that the king would be so vulgar, it said. But he says, it was before the Lord. I will celebrate before the Lord. I really like that. We, there's a lot of, um, there tends to be a lot of church shame, I think, in how people worship and how people decide to, to do things. Catholics are always ripping on Protestant worship services. Protestants are always ripping on Catholic worship or, you know, what they feel is the lack thereof, I guess. But this just shows like if the Lord's leading you to do something, like even if it seems crazy, rejoicing before the Lord is never bad. So I feel like however you do it, there's always going to be a McCall who is judging you for however you worship. But if you want to get out there in a knapsack and worship the Lord, then, you know, that's what you're going to do. Um, and that's what you should do. So second Samuel seven, David wants to build a house for the ark. Um, but God came to Nathan. Um, and Nathan was like someone working in the, in David's house. Um, and he said like a, a very long, kind of monologue, but basically God was telling him to say that God was saying, I've traveled with you all around. I will make your name great, give you rest from all your enemies. Your son will be the one who will build a house for my name. Um, and like, he basically said, I've traveled with you all around. I don't need a house. 
Um, David was super humble and said, who am I? How great are you? There is no one like you. This is like the paragraphs of praise that a lot of worship songs come from, I feel like. I read that and was like, oh, this sounds familiar. This I've sung this in worship songs a bunch of times. Um, in 2 Samuel 8, it said, over time, David defeated the Philistines and the Moabites. There's a lot of talk of kings and people that David conquered and overtook. It said he always dedicated this silver and gold to the Lord from the nations he subdued, and he did what was right and just for all the people. So he is being set up as this great king. Um, in 2 Samuel 9, uh, it said, Is there anyone else in the house of Saul that I can show kindness to? There was still a son of Jonathan who was lame in both feet. And a few chapters earlier, I don't remember how, how much earlier, but basically they said one of the sons of Jonathan was lame in both feet because as someone was like attacking their city, someone was carrying out this boy who I think was five at the time and dropped him and he became disabled. So um, then his name is... Oh, I practiced this, but it's been like four days until since I, I read Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth came to David. Um, and when David kind of summoned him and David said, I will show you kindness, will restore the land belonging to Saul and you will eat at my table. So David is now extending um, his kindness to Saul's sons, like any remaining blood of Saul he eats at his table, he's dining with the king, um, and gives back the land that restores to Saul to him, has his servants attend the land because the man is disabled, and is basically just showing amazing kindness. Um, okay, Second Samuel 10, the king of the Ammonites dies, and Hanan succeeded him. Uh, David thought that he wants to show him kindness, too. He's early on this kindness kick. Um, Ammonite commanders instead of taking this as an, as an act of kindness, like, so David sent men to go basically scout it out and see how they could show kindness. But the Ammonite commanders thought that they were spying to overtake the Ammonites. So Hanan ordered them to humiliate the men. Basically, they treated them terribly. They humiliated them. They, like, I think they, it said they, like, turned them back naked and stuff. So they were humiliated. Um, the Ammonites, like, once those men came back and told David, David was obviously very mad. The Ammonites realized they were obnox becoming obnoxious to David, so they assembled his army so that, you know, if David decided to attack them, they would be ready. The Ammonites also, the Ar Arameans, Arameans, um, they also assembled because they were allies with the Ammonites. And so David heard all this, that they were assembling armies, and David assembled his army. Um, but they were surrounded. So this was interesting. The Aramaeans were on one side and the Ammonites were on the other side. Um, Joab and his men beat the Aramaeans. So the Ammonites also fled. The Aramaeans then regrouped, reformed battle lines and fought, but then fled because it was just such a great victory for David. Like the Lord, it said, you know, the Lord has always been with David in these situations. And so, um, he, that's why he experienced such great victory. And this was, um, this was a huge one. So they basically lost so bad that the Aramaeans stopped helping the Ammonites because they realized they were kind of on the losing side there. Okay. Second Samuel 11, David sent Joab out and destroyed, um, the Ammonites, which, so this is like a continuation of the, the other one. Um, the Aramaeans lost in the last one and stopped helping the Ammonites. Then David sent Joab out and destroyed the Ammonites. David was, oh, this is the story. This is a great, this is a crazy story um, in 2 Samuel 11 because this is, I think I talked about it earlier, but it's been four days. So, um, but this is the story where David sees a woman bathing and basically he has like a great sin in this chapter. He sins like a pretty flagrant sin and it just shows that even if you have, even if God is with you, you have it all together, you're still susceptible to sin. So let me go into more detail. David was still in Jerusalem and David sent Joab and his men to go destroy the Ammonites. Well, while all his men were out, David saw a woman bathing on the rooftop and sent people to inquire about her. And they said that she was someone's wife. He knew right from the bat that he it was, that she was the wife of Uriah, who was a Hittite. 
and he called her over basically and slept with her. She became pregnant and she told David and David in a massive cover-up attempt tried to send for Uriah the Hittite asked how the war was going sent him home said wash your hands and feet the assumption is he's going to then sleep with his wife because he's home and then it would be assumed that the baby is Uriah's not David's so it was like a massive cover-up but Uriah is such a noble man that he basically like slept right outside the palace because he goes well I'm not I'm not going to sleep in my house and make love to my wife when my men are out staying in tents and everyone is camped and how could I just go and be comfortable basically. So David tried to get him drunk the next day so he would go home. He still wouldn't go home. When he realized he wasn't going to go home and his cover up wouldn't work, he wrote a letter to Joab to put Uriah in the front lines and then withdraw the rest of his men so that Uriah would die. Like he forcibly like basically he basically sent Uriah out into battle knowing he would die and putting him in the exact position where he would die so he did die and after the time of mourning for the wife was up Uriah's wife became David's wife and she had a son but it mentions that God was displeased by this so God has been with David this entire time but this made him very displeased um, in Second Samuel 12, God said to Nathan, I mean, wow, God sent Nathan to David and he talked about the parable of lambs. And basically it was a parable that described the exact situation of the wife, um, you know, of David stealing this man's wife and being unfair. And David burned with anger after hearing the story and said, the man who did this must die. And Nathan said, you are the man. Out of your household, I'm bringing calamity on you. I will give your wives to someone close to you. Um, and they will sleep with your wives in broad daylight. David realized that he had sinned. Um, Nathan said, the Lord has taken away your sin, but you will not die, but your son will. Which I thought was, I thought it was a little strange. I get that God uh, forgives and I also get that there are natural consequences to sin, but this seems more like David sinned and then the consequence gets put on the son on purpose almost, um, not just like a random consequence of a sin. So that was a little confusing. So I might have to look up a little bit more um, commentary on that at some point. But basically the child did die and while the child was sick and kind of about to die David looked like he was a mess he was like in morning clothes he was on the floor he would barely get up and eat all this but once the child did die he got up cleaned himself ate worshiped and everyone was very confused by this because they were like well you know why aren't you mourning now that he's dead and he goes well I thought that um if I mourned and repented and begged God basically maybe he would spare the child but now that the child's dead like I can't bring him back so what's the point of, of mourning um but then after that Bathsheba who is the you know Uriah's wife then had a son Solomon the Lord loved him uh and then basically then it said that David threw overthrew another city okay second Samuel 13 David David's son fell in love with his own sister. This gets um, sketchy, but he fell in love with his sister. Uh, his name is Amnon. He pretended to be sick and asked his sister to prep food to watch her cook. But then, um, so basically he sent to David and said, I'm sick. Can you send my sister to come make me some food? And that's like normal enough, I guess. But then he uh, refused to eat sent everyone out of the room, grabbed her, and raped her. And then after he raped her, Amnon hated her more than he had loved her, it said. So the sister was grieving. There was a huge rift between the family. This is the calamity that they were talking about um, that, that Nathan had prophesied because of, of David's sin. Um, so there was a huge rift between the family. David was furious. And then another brother of them to to oh um 
so Tamar is the the sister and their other brother was furious at Amnon and never talked to him this is another case where there's about to be a death that is avenged (laughs) um spoiler alert so two years later Absalom urged David to send Amnon out to the field to shear a sheep Absalom who is the other brother um told his men to kill Amnon when he was drunk on wine and they killed him and the rest of the sons fled so it took like two years but basically this other brother just sat there quietly and then two years later had his other brother killed David then wanted to go see Absalom Joab sent a woman um Joab sent a woman pretending to mourn she uh talked about like she basically talks in a parable or maybe just like a fake story I guess about two sons that one fought and struck the other um one uh a whole clan has risen against uh, against me wait this makes no sense hold on um okay so this woman comes and tells a situation that's basically exactly the same as David's family and they said why have you not brought brought back your banished son so the whole point of this was to get David to invite his son Absalom back because he was banished for killing his other son um so David realized that Joab had sent this woman to like orchestrate this big plan um to get David and his son back together David finally agreed and brought Absalom back um he was the most handsome man in like the entire play in, in all of Israel they said was not a man so highly praised for his appearance uh, for his appearance as Absalom and then Absalom ended up setting Joab's field on fire because Joab didn't answer him basically what happened is David did invite Absalom back to the place but wouldn't meet with him and Joab wouldn't like basically force um David to meet with him Joab wouldn't answer him uh Absalom said I want to meet with the king he wouldn't answer so he ended up setting fire to Joab's field until Joab went and advocated that uh the king should see uh his son so he finally did that and then uh second Samuel 15 is the last chapter we'll go over today it was kind of also a long one and kind of got a little bit complicated so again I'm going to read like almost a summary I I mean I'm going to basically go over like a website summary that I will link below as well so this basically said that now Absalom is beginning to grow in power he gets 50 men with chariots and horses he regularly goes out like outside the palace gate and meets with people there he kind of tries to be suave with them and he goes well listen like people come to see the king with complaints or lawsuits or or, or lawsuits it says suits um but tells them like there's no one appointed to listen like if only i were a judge he said if only i were a judge i would listen to you and he gets all the people on their side he kisses them who come to to him so he's really like schmoozing with the people after four years in Jerusalem, this says, Absalom asks David if he can go to Hebron. David gives him permission, but when Absalom goes there, he sends out messengers to announce that Absalom has become the new king. So he declares himself king of this region. Absalom brings unwitting people with him and gets David's counselor to go with him as well. There is a big rebellious conspiracy and it is growing in power. So this is also part of the calamity, you know, that Nathan talked about with David. So David's messengers come and tell him how um, his son's power is increasing and David orders his people to flee Jerusalem but leaves 10 concubines to keep watch over the palace. On the way out, David stops and tells one of his officials uh, to go back to his people um, because he's from Gittite and it wouldn't be fair to force him to wander around with David but this guy pledges to continue with David and to serve him forever um the priests are about to bring the ark along but David tells them to stay and if God wants him to return he'll see the ark again so he is fleeing and scared but he's also still trying to honor God even though he had like that terrible sin earlier okay David and his people walk up at the Mount of Olives and are weeping and mourning David um, hears 
that his um, servant who had just, oh no, wait, um, yes, okay, so David hears that one of his men had joined um, his son in this growing, you know, this growing rebellion, and he prays to God and asks God to make um, this, the counsel, uh, the counsel that is, uh, you know, giving advice to his son to sound foolish. Um, after reaching the top of the Mount of Olives, David sends his official uh, to go back to Jerusalem and pretend to serve Absalom when he takes over. Um, and this is basically like a spy move because he wants to get some information back. And um, so this servant goes back to Jerusalem and arrives just before Absalom does. And that's where this ends off on 2 Samuel 15. So that was a lot that we went over today. Again, sorry this was split up into two different days. Um, but I really, really liked this section. It was, again, so crazy that I've always known the story of David and Bathsheba. But I didn't realize how great of a man David was before. And it just reiterates, like, the grace of God, the amount that you can have everything together and still sin. Like, even the best people in the Bible did that. Um, so, anyway, uh, for the new schedule, because this one is very late. It's going up on the day that my new episode should be going up. Basically, I'm putting this up on Monday night. And I will have a new episode up tomorrow with our regular, like, topics. Tomorrow is a topic on homeschooling. And so I wanted to keep them in the same order of a Bible, regular episode, Bible, regular episode. And so um, expect a homeschooling episode tomorrow. And that is all, everyone. Have a great week. And thank you all for listening. Bye.